We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 225. Our guest today is an Irish show jumper. He has over 200 wins to date. He is ranked 18th in the Longines rankings and top 65 in the FEI Jumping World Cup standings. In a sport where points are so important for overall rankings, a lot of professionals find themselves showing so many weekends of the year, sometimes even up to 50 weekends out of the year. Over time, that can obviously be a huge strain mentally, physically, emotionally for horse, for rider, for the entire team. Our guest has a little bit of a different approach, really making sure that he is only going to the shows that he absolutely needs to go to that align with his goals. So want to hear about how he chooses, how many shows, and what shows he goes to? Let's welcome our guest today, Dara Kenny. I would love to hear about how you first kind of found yourself in the horse world. Pretty much it was uh, always going to happen. You know, my parents both rode and they uh, they both competed themselves. They bought and sold horses. And so I grew up on a, on a horse farm in Ireland and uh, just was surrounded by horses my whole childhood and uh, started riding when I was three or four years old and really loved horses and started competing when I was 10 and loved competing and, and kind of just went from there. From the beginning, did you kind of, was it kind of always in your head that you were going to be doing this for the rest of the, your life in like a career or some capacity like that? For me, it wasn't really, I, when I started riding when I was really young, like four, five, six, I never really even had interest in competing at all. Um, I just enjoyed riding horses and had fun doing it. You know, I started competing when I was 10 and uh, figured out I really enjoyed that too but still had no idea of, you know, the, the world that the horse world is and, and stuff like that. So I never really thought about spending my life at it until I was around 15, 16 years old. And then I really realized that it was something that uh, I was good at and that I loved doing and I wanted to be involved in for the rest of my life. So you went from starting to show when you were about 10 to I think we were in your first Grand Prix when you were like 14. Yeah. How were you able yeah. to progress so quickly to the upper levels? I think that's very much down to my parents. You know, they, they were both very good trainers. They were both very, very good horse people. And then we always had ponies and horses around that I could compete on, you know. So it, it always worked well. And my dad did a lot of business buying and selling horses and ponies. So there would always be different horses there and different levels of horses there. And, you know, I could just compete in whatever, whatever classes I wanted to compete in. So I got very lucky at a young age that I had a very good structure around what I was doing. And while also getting to ride a lot of different horses and getting to compete in a lot of different levels. Fast forwarding a little bit now, you're about to wrap up a very impressive WEF season. You just had a recent four-star win. Congratulations. and 
in your, a previous interview, I think you said something along the lines of when you're winning, you have to work harder. Is that something that you still believe or tell me a little bit about that? Well, I can tell you on Monday morning, I was riding horses again. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's just how it works. You know, I, I, I do believe like I, I had, uh, I came a little bit late to the season here in Wellington and, uh, I, I had a bit of a slow start with my good horses, um, but now they're really in good form and they're they're going very well. Um, but I'm very much a believer that you know if you kind of start to relax and and think that everything is going to keep rolling like that, it just doesn't happen like that. You have to stay working as hard and pushing as hard, and you know you have to take time for yourself when you need time for yourself. But uh, when you're there and, and, and trying to compete and trying to be successful, you have to put a hundred percent into it. I know you've also said that a goal of yours is to make it back into, um, FEI top 10 for a lot of people that would involve a plan of a lot of horse showing. I know you've mentioned in the past year, your plan is to actually maybe do a little bit less showing this year. Can you tell me a little bit about your strategy, you know, in terms of achieving that goal? Yeah. Like to be honest, last year I had some uh, personal issues that uh, caused me a lot of uh, stress and, and mental issues in, in, my career last year and after the Olympics, I took a break from riding for six weeks, didn't ride at all. And, uh, and I took a break from showing for two months and I started back and I realized that the way I wanted to do it was a little bit differently and that I wanted to be able to realize that when the stress or the pressure was coming too, too difficult to handle that I would take a break and take a week or two weeks and, and just, you know, relax. And, and I, you know, we do it so much for the horses. Like, you know, I never do more than two weeks showing in a row with a horse and I give them two weeks off and, you know, they have at the end of the year, they have a month off and, and then we never do it for ourselves as riders at all. We just keep going and going and going. And it finally got to a stage where I didn't feel that that was productive anymore, both for the horses and for myself. And so my idea is to try and do maybe three shows a month, hopefully only two shows a month, and try and, and be a little bit more accurate on, on how I do them and, and hopefully have quite good results at them. And, and I think that will achieve what I want to achieve in the sport, you know, and I, I think sometimes personally for me i know that we get i get running too much just doing shows and shows and shows and in the end i'm not having the results i want and i'm tired and worn out and stressed out and you know i would be better if i took a week off and put it all back together again and and had the results i wanted where do you think that expectation or that pressure has come from from the past um to today where it seems like most professionals have that pressure where, oh man, like I need to be showing 45 plus weeks of the year. I, I think a lot of it is to do that as riders that want to be, you know, as successful as, you know, the top 10 riders in the world want to be, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to do everything right, you know, to, to win as many classes as they can, to stay at the top level as they can. And, uh, and I think 
then you feel when you're in the top 10, you feel like, oh my God, if I miss a show, I might drop out, you know? And uh, so I can't miss any shows and I can't take that risk. So then we just keep going. But in actual fact, if you look at the results of late, like if you see Henrik von Eckerman, you know, he has a he has maybe four horses that he jumps the big classes on and he he doesn't do massive shows every week. And, you know, Peter Fredrickson also, you know, number one in the world, really puts his uh, personal health and his horse's health before horse showing. And the same with Steve Gerdart, I think. You know, those riders have found the key to how to do this in the best way possible. They they really care about the horses. Their, their horsemanship is excellent. And uh, they pick the right shows. If you, if you look at a calendar year last year, I'd say Ken Farrington did maybe 25% less shows than, than the rest of the top riders in the world. But he's still in the top 10. So I think it's more about how accurately you do it. You place the horses in the right venues that suit them. You have your horses in the best con- conditions that suit them. And, and you're mentally in a better place and then you can achieve the results you want. Definitely. It seems like the sport finally is moving into more of a quality over quantity. With the spirit of that, how do you select which horse shows you decide to attend? I think for me, there's a very, there's a group of horse shows that I love during the year that I go to nearly every year. You know, I try to pick horse shows that uh, I know my horses will like those conditions. They'll like, uh, you know, like I always go to Madrid Global because I think it's an amazing show. I always go to the Rolex show in Rome because I love it. You know, uh, I love big grass arenas, Aachen, Dublin, Spruce Meadows, you know, I, I love those. And then I think, you know, you get your others, the championships, the World Cup finals, you know, those shows are fantastic. And I think you just have to sit down and at the start of the year, you make a plan of what you want to achieve yourself that year, what your horses are capable of achieving, and uh, what are the best venues for the horses that you have. And I think that's how you come up with the best results. If you have someone, uh, maybe a, a younger professional or someone who is looking to follow a similar strategy as you to really take the time to be healthy, take the time for your horses to be healthy so that every time you're going in the ring, you are giving it 110%. What advice would you give them? I think um, the most important thing is figuring out the horses you have and uh, and knowing what their strengths and their weaknesses are and putting them in situations where they have the best opportunity to do the best performance they can. You know, if you have a big, slow horse, you don't put it in a small sand arena and try to, you know, win against all these smaller horses that are so much better in smaller rings. You know, I think you have to think about what is your horse's strengths, what is his weaknesses, and, and bring him to venues that, uh, that suit that. And, and also make sure that the horse has time to be fit and healthy and fresh going to these shows, not that it's tired and it's not feeling as healthy as it should. And, and don't make a decision based on you wanting to go to the show. Make a decision on the fact if your horse 
is in the best place to go to the show and if you are in the best place to go to the show. Totally. Yeah. Very closely related. Um, I wanted to talk to you about horsemanship because obviously like being responsible to our horses to make sure that they're well-prepared and in the right frame of mind is, you know, definitely displays that horsemanship. How would you define good horsemanship? Well, I, I, I believe, you know, like I was raised in Ireland and I think Ireland is a great place to learn horsemanship. It's, it's so natural for the horses, you know, you, when I grew up, I mostly rode in a field, you know, there was no sand arena, there was no, you know, the level grass ring, it was field and hills and, and the horses lived in the paddocks all the, every day. And, you know, like for me, I could never, I could never have my horses where they don't go in the paddock, you know, like they have to go out in the paddock, they have to be horses. I tried to get them out, you know, and work them once a day, but then get them out a few other times a day where they can to go on the walker or go hacking or do something that just clears their head. And, and, you know, uh, even my good horses, when they go to the show for the next two days after the show, they won't work. They'll go hacking. They'll, you know, they'll have an easy few days. They'll freshen up again. And I think horsemanship is super important. And I think um, being able to know what your horses like, what your horses need, having them fit enough and healthy enough, that you can compete, but also giving them a life that they enjoy as well. And I think that's very important. I think if you look at, you know, the the people that have these top horses like Peter Fredrickson, like uh, like uh, Henrik van Eckerman, like even Dennis Lynch, you know, he's incredible in the way he does it. His horses go until they're 17, 18 years old. Lugger Beerbaum, all his horses go until they're 18 years old. I think all those people that uh, that can manage their horses uh, to an age where they're still competing at a high level, uh, even when they're 16, 17, 18, I think those are people that obviously have great horsemanship because there's no way the horses would last that long if they didn't. What's your turnout situation while you're in Florida? Because I know obviously that can sometimes be a hard hurdle with the just the the sheer space in this area well like i would never be at a place that didn't have turnout for the horses mm-hmm. you know like the place i'm at now there's 16 paddocks the horses go out every single day they go on the walker every single day they get ridden every single day and then the girls take them out and hand graze them in the afternoons and hand walk them in the afternoons or they go out trail riding or anything that can get them out of the stable as much as possible, but not in a stressful way. If you've been riding for a bit, chances are you have the blisters, saddle sores, and rubs on your feet and your heels to prove it. So Dreamers and Schemers has amazing boot socks that are not only super cute, but they have a lightly padded and moisture wicking footbed and flat seam toe to really protect those problem areas. But not only are Dreamers and Schemers socks a great way to express yourself in a subtle way, but they also have an amazing feature, and that is the black cuff at the top of the sock to prevent any pattern peekaboo in the ring. 
The super fun colors and amazing quality also extends to the other Dreamers and Schemers products, and those are the Main Jane leather belts and leather spur straps. They literally carry any color and texture leather you can possibly think of with amazing reversible belts. I love the Main Jane belts and really heavy duty and fashionable spur straps. So to find out more information, head over to their website at dreamersandschemers.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-E-R-S-N-S-C-H-E-M-E-R-S.com. Thank you so much, Dreamers and Schemers. All right, let's head back to the episode. So when you are at home and maybe preparing for a show coming up, what does your, what is like a normal training week look like for you? Obviously each horse will have, um, a separate type of program with what that horse needs, but what does it kind of look like for you the week leading up to competition? Well, for me, um, I, I believe very much that, uh, flat work is probably the most important thing with these horses and having them riding correctly and, and, having yourself doing flat work correctly is the most important thing. Um, so like my horses, when we're here in Florida, normally the staff have Monday off and the horses have Monday off. I like to always give my horses one day uh, a week that they don't get ridden at all, that they just go in the field and they just relax and they, you know, de-stress. Um, so if it was in Europe, probably, you know, they, they have Sunday off. So then I would ride them Monday, Tuesday, then probably uh, do some gymnastics Wednesday with them. Then they would probably go hacking on Thursday, get ridden again on Friday, do a course or some gymnastics or something like that on, on Saturday. And then Sunday they would have off again, you know. And I, I try to keep it very, very simple. That's one of my key things is simplicity, you know. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be over dramatic. You know, they, they're horses at the end of the day. You know, they they want to enjoy life the same way we want to enjoy life, and uh, and they want to. You know, they need to know that this is fun for them. It's not. It's not. You know, difficult for them. It's fun for them. What's your favorite type of gymnastics exercise to set up at home? I normally my favorite one is uh, I I build. Uh, three verticals in a row that are uh you know like one stride and then i have canter poles in between the whole way along um and that's probably the one i use the most i find it achieves a lot of the things i like to achieve and then i do a lot of jumping courses that are 60 centimeters high which sounds ridiculous but um it, it works very well you know like I learned it from uh, from Jeroen Dubeldam and uh, he, you know, he was so particular about doing small little courses and having the horses riding perfectly, that they would never get strong, they would never land on the wrong lead, that they would ride around the corner balance, that they would ride around uh, down a line in a straight line, they would stay balanced, they would stay on the correct lead, and you could move up and go forward and slow down easily. And, uh, so that's a lot of, I do a lot of that very small courses and just, you know, making the horses relaxed and easy. And I find you can achieve a lot on a really small course because the horses start to relax and they start to not worry about the jump and just think of calm and, and they let you work them, you know? 
Is that what you found um, is kind of a helpful strategy if you are, if you do have a horse in your program that is super hot and hard to kind of manage around a course is to take it down to those small jumps until it can relax over that? Or is there a yeah. certain thing that you go through that you feel like helps fi- help, helps you, you know, be able to balance and, and not have that horse go around so strong? I, I think I spend a lot of the time when I get a horse new like that, if it's a stressy horse or, or a very hot horse, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out why it's stressed or why it's hot or, you know, if it's naturally that way or if it's just because it's nervous or it's tense or, you know, and so I spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the reasoning is behind it. And then when I figure that out, I try to make it as simple as possible for them. So if it's a horse that gets stressy or gets nervous when you jump it, then I just jump it really small and I'll like jump five jumps and then give it a break and walk for a few minutes and then do it again. So it never gets too stressed out or it never gets too worried. Um, and I think that's very important, you know, is is figuring out your horses and knowing you know, what, what makes them better and the things you can do as a rider to help improve them and not make them worried or make them stressed out. Tell me about an area of the industry that you are very passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. I think um, a lot of it sometimes for me, like I really, really care about figuring out the horses and what makes them happy. And, uh, you know, for me, that's very important that uh, you spend time with them. You, you figure out what, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, what stresses them out, what keeps them happy, you know, like, if if I have a horse that I feel like if he goes out in the paddock before I ride him, he's in a much better mood. But if he doesn't go out in the paddock before I ride him, he's in a worse mood. Well, then he'll always go in the paddock. You know, I kind of keep going back and forward with those things to to leave the horses in the best position I possibly can. Would you say, obviously, again, each horse is its own individual and has, you know, different things that I'm sure you've found work the best with that horse. Um, Does there tend to be a common theme or certain things that you have realized um, that you, you know, stick to pretty much across the horses in your string? I think the most important thing I've found is um, a calm within the stable. I think, uh, you know, like a lot of the horses, they really read into how the staff are acting, how everybody's acting. And I think like we try to keep it very calm in the stable, you know, there's, we try to have, you know, nice grooms that all work together, you know, like the, everybody tries to just keep it, everything relaxed. There's no too much stress. Nobody's too tense. Nobody's, you know, feeling like they're, you know, under pressure. Um, and I think that's very important for the horses. They have to have a very relaxed environment. I think that works very, very well and keeps them very calm and, and, uh, and they start to chill out and they start to take a deep breath themselves. What are you most looking forward to for the rest of this year? Um, I'm excited to try and get on the WEG team with Cartello. I think that's going to be uh, really fun to try and do that. 
And I'm really excited to jump in Dublin again this year. It's been a while since we got to jump there and I love that show. So that's one of my favorite things for this year. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about your current string, what your horses are like and some interesting personality traits that they might have? I have a, I have a, quite a nice string at the moment. Obviously, Cartello is my best horse. Uh, he went to the Olympics last year. He's probably going to go to the WAG this year. He's 15 years old, but uh, he's fresh as ever. He's, he's a stallion and he's very much a stallion. So there's a lot of screaming and yelling and, and stuff like that. But uh, in a way, he's he's a big softy, you know, like he he screams and he yells, but it's all it's all bark and no bite, you know, so it's kind of funny. And then um, I have Tequila, who is a very, very nice mare. She's going to jump the big Grand Prix this week. And she's just stepping up to the five star level. She's very good. She gets quite tense and quite nervous and. And uh, and you have to keep her quite relaxed. But when you do, then she jumps unbelievable. And I think she she can have quite a lot of success this year. I have a very good stallion now that I'm riding called Paul May that won the Grand Prix last week. I'm very excited for what that horse can do this year. He's He feels in great form. And I think he's going to do a lot of very good things. Um, I have another horse. He Volney is owned by a, a client of mine, Teddy Vlock, and he owns another one called Chick Chick. That's a really talented horse as well. Um, and that horse, I think, will do a lot of very good things this year as well. And then I have a few really interesting other younger horses, nine and eight year olds, and they they seem to be going really well. And the whole string seems to be coming together very well at the moment. With all the horses having, you know, their own things and things that you need to focus on when you're on them, different personalities. How have you found um, is like the easiest way for you to kind of flip from one to the other and be able to ride them individually? Have lots of time for them at the start. That's, that's the main thing. I think, you know, like I see myself when I have time to like, if I have an hour and a half to ride one horse, it usually only takes me 25 minutes because I go there, I'm relaxed when I'm doing it, the horse is relaxed, you know, and, and everything works great. If I have 30 minutes to ride a horse, it usually takes me an hour and a half because they, they you know, I'm trying to rush it there. They get stressed because I'm trying to rush it. So that is the one thing I've learned that I try to really take my mind away from everything else going on around me and spend the time with the horse when I'm riding it. So I give it the best chance to to be in the best place when I compete it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are today and what is to come. It's exciting to watch your journey and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.